Chapter Eleven of Rejected of Men by Howard Pyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: Nothing but Leaves. Gilderman awoke in the morning suddenly and keenly wide awake. The sleep, such as it had been, was of that sort which cuts sharply and distinctly across the thread of life and for a few moments he could not join the severed skeins of thought that he held in his hand to those which had gone before there had been something uncomfortable what was it then instantly the broken ends were joined and recollection came like a flash oh yes that was it he lay in bed inertly thinking about it a feeling of stronger and stronger distaste grew up every instant within him but he made no effort to detach his mind from its thought by and by he found that he hated it that he was deathly tired of it all but still he let his thoughts dwell upon it how unnatural how unwholesome it had all been how revolting to all that was sweet and lucid again he realized that if he tampered too much with these things he would unhinge his mind yesterday he had almost believed that he had seen a miracle now in the calmer saner morning light of a new day he recognized how impossible it was it could have been nothing but a hideous trick devised to deceive those poor ignorant superstitious wretches who followed that strange man and believed in him no it could not have been all a trick either for the grief of those two women had been a real grief and not a simulated agony what had it been maybe that other man had had a cataleptic fit ah how ugly it all was how poor how squalid that woman who had fallen against him in a fit he could conjure up an almost visible picture of how she had looked as she lay struggling upon the ground she wore coarse yarn stockings and one of her shoes was burst out at the side he writhed upon his bed ah he was sick sick of it he wished he could think of something pleasanter he tried to force his mind to think of the great and coming hope of his life in a little while now he would be a father and he tried to forecast the joys of his coming paternity but when he made the attempt he found he could not detach his mind from that other thing he got up and rang for his man who came almost instantly at his call but even as he dressed he found his mind groping back into the recollections of yesterday when he went downstairs he found that mrs gilderman had not yet come down to breakfast he picked up the paper but he did not read it but went to the window and stood looking out into the street the sky was still cloudy and grey and there was a drizzling rain falling the day seemed to be singularly in keeping with his mood and the strong distaste of life that lay upon him how wretchedly he had slept the night before that must be what ailed him now to make him feel so depressed it must be lack of sleep he remembered how he had heard the clock strike four he was just dropping off into a doze and he had awakened almost as with a shock at the tinkling silver stroke of the bell in the next room he must have fallen asleep soon after that what was so incomprehensible in the affair of yesterday was the expression of that face looking up through the sky with the tears running down the cheeks why did he weep oh if he could only forget it all he was sick of it sick almost to a physical repulsion 
if he went on thinking about this thing he would certainly go crazy again he vowed that he would give up this morbid tampering with and brooding upon religious things it was not wholesome and the time would surely come when his mind could no longer stand it why did not florence come down to breakfast almost as an answer to the thought he heard the rustle of her dress and turning round he found that she had come into the dining-room why did you not go on with your breakfast henry she said why did you wait oh i don't know he said i wasn't hungry what's the matter aren't you feeling well she looked briefly at him as she sat at her place smoothing back the folds of her morning gown oh yes he said i'm all right no i don't feel very well how are you this morning florence oh i feel very well indeed she held up her face as he passed behind her and he bent over and kissed it then a sudden feeling of straining pity for her coming motherhood seized him he hesitated for a moment and then he took her face in both his hands and raising it kissed it again she laughed and blushed a little what is it henry she said nothing he answered and then he went around to his place the waiter offered him a dish of fruit but he shook his head fetch me a cup of coffee he said aren't you going to eat anything said mrs gilderman as the man poured out a black stream of coffee into a cup no i'm not hungry what's the matter with you nothing only i didn't sleep very well maybe i'll eat something by and by down at the club he had almost finished his cup of coffee and had just opened the paper when the man came in to say that mr ferguson was downstairs and wanted to know if he could see mr gilderman ferguson was one of gilderman's agents and he had gone down the day before to the lenning sale to buy a famous hunter and two road horses ferguson said gilderman then he remembered that he had commissioned him to buy the roan mare oh yes he said show him up into the study and tell him i'll be down directly ferguson must have bought lady maybell at the sale then as gilderman recollected the beautiful horse and thought she was now his own he felt a distinct and positive ray of pleasure shoot athwart the gloomy mood of his mind lady maybell was something worth having at any rate something that would bring a wholesome pleasure to him what does ferguson come to see you about henry asked mrs gilderman well i intended it for a surprise said gilderman but i may as well tell you now he went down to the sale at mountain brook farm yesterday i sent him down to buy lady maybell there was a pair of road horses too i thought would do for the greystone stable lady maybell cried out mrs gilderman oh i'm so glad you've bought lady maybell henry gilderman laughed don't be in too much of a hurry my dear maybe ferguson hasn't bought the horse after all he felt sure in his own mind however that his agent had bought the horse and it made him very happy to think of it he clung to the sense of pleasure all the more closely because he recognized that it made him forget that other thing it was something pleasant and he let himself take pleasure in it he finished his cup of coffee and then went down into the study ferguson was sitting by the table silently and patiently awaiting his coming he arose as gilderman came in and stood holding his hat in his hand well ferguson said gilderman i suppose you bought lady maybell yesterday where is she at the stable why no sir 
said ferguson i didn't buy her gilderman stood suddenly struck motionless not buy the horse what did the man mean why had he not bought the horse had there been no sale then the dreadful thought grew slowly into his mind was it possible that lady maybell was not to be his after all that he had missed obtaining what he wanted what he cried out you didn't buy a horse as i told you to do why didn't you buy her why you see mr gilderman said ferguson dawson that's mr dorman webster's man was there he ran the price up against me until six thousand dollars was bid the horse ain't worth half of that and i was afraid to go any more gilderman still stood motionless the sudden and utter disappointment had fallen on him like a blow and had struck down and shattered asunder all the gladness that had come to him was he then not to have lady maybell after all was then this pleasure to be taken away from him it seemed to him almost as with an agony that he never wanted anything so badly as he wanted that horse there was a feeling within him that was almost like despair what had possessed ferguson that he had not done what he had been bidden to do a sudden fury of anger flamed up within gilderman do you mean to tell me he cried that you didn't buy that horse when i especially told you to buy her he found that his throat was choking and as soon as he began to speak the violent rush of rage seemed to sweep him away why confound you he cried out what do you mean by coming and coolly telling me such a thing as that what do you suppose i sent you down to mountain brook for i didn't know what to do mr gilderman said the man the horse wasn't worth the half of six thousand dollars and i was afraid to bid any more if i'd paid that for her and you hadn't been satisfied confound you burst out gilderman cutting him short he was so furious that he hardly knew what he was saying and he stuttered as he spoke confound you i didn't send you down there to appraise the horse did i i sent you down there to buy the horse not to put a price on her was none of your confounded business if i chose to pay a hundred thousand dollars for her your business was to b -b -b buy her as i told you to do he stood glaring at the man his bosom panting ferguson stood perfectly silent looking down into his hat the trouble with you is ferguson he cried out harshly you've got too confounded much scotch caution to suit me he wanted to say something savage but that was all that came into his mind it seemed to him to be very inadequate you can't be my agent he said if you don't do as i tell you you'd better go now i bought the two roadsters at a bargain sir said ferguson damn the roadsters i don't care anything about them gilderman went straight back to the breakfast-room what should he do he could not bear to lose that horse he tried to comfort himself by thinking that he owned a half-dozen horses finer and more valuable than lady maybell but he found no comfort in the thought he wanted lady maybell she would have exactly suited florence next fall and he could not bear to have her so snatched away from him would dorman webster sell her suppose he should go to him and tell him that florence wanted the horse dorman webster was very fond of florence maybe he would let him have lady maybell for her sake all this he thought as he walked to the dining-room 
what do you think florence he burst out as soon as he came into the room that fool of a ferguson did not buy lady maybell after all oh henry cried mrs gilderman dorman webster's man was there and bid against ferguson and ferguson funked when the other fellow ran the price up to six thousand and let the chance of getting her go six thousand dollars lady maybell wasn't worth that much was she henry perhaps not but it was the horse i wanted and not the money it's too bad said mrs gilderman mr ferguson ought to have done as you told him of course he ought said gilderman confounded stupid scotchman but he felt a distinct feeling of comfort in mrs gilderman's sympathy maybe mr dorman webster will be willing to sell her to you said mrs gilderman i don't believe he will said gilderman nevertheless a sudden ray of hope came into his mind i'll tell you what i'll ask him and see what he says he added he looked at his watch let me see there's a business meeting or something down at the international this morning maybe if i go around there now i'll catch him before he goes downtown he did find mr dorman webster at the club one of the club servants was just in the act of helping the old gentleman on with his overcoat gilderman plunged directly into the business upon which he had come my dear boy said mr dorman webster settling himself into his overcoat and straightening the collar i can't sell you the horse the fact is edith edith was his youngest daughter edith fell in love with the horse last summer no matter how high your man had bid i was bound to have the animal i'll give you seven thousand dollars for her said gilderman making a last effort mr dorman webster shook his head smiling can't do it he said and then almost in gilderman's own words that morning it isn't the money i want i want the horse then he went away leaving gilderman full of a bitter disappointment that seemed to blacken all his life he had not hoped for much but now he hoped for nothing he was not to have the horse after all and his heart fell away with despair why oh why had not ferguson bought her in he went up into the reading-room and sat himself down in a chair and picked up a paper as he did so latimer moore came into the room hello gildy he called out you're in for it my boy in for it in for what said gilderman what do you mean he had a dreadful feeling that something else was going to happen amiss to him then he recollected what it must be the yacht race it came to him like a flash yesterday was the day of the yacht race in the things that had happened to him he had forgotten about it had that also gone wrong it could not be why didn't you hear said latimer moore the cablegram came half an hour ago and it's posted up on the bulletin board la normandie beat the syrix one minute twenty seconds time allowance was it true then gilderman's heavy heart fell away like a plummet to a still lower depth it was not the loss of the money he had bet ryan but the argument they had had before all those fellows they had all been against him and he had been very angry and excited he had been very positive that the syrinx would win what a bitter shame to be proved to have been in the wrong after all how could he bear to acknowledge to all those fellows that he had been in the wrong but even yet he could not accept such defeat i don't believe it he said there's a mistake 
why just look at the syrinx's time against the petrel and the la normandie's time against the majestic latimer moore burst out laughing what's the use of arguing now gildy he said facts are facts and the fact in this case is that tommy ryan and the rest of us were right and that you were wrong come gildy knuckle under and eat your humble pie like a man i'll not knuckle under until i have to said gilderman savagely i believe there is some mistake in the cablegram and i'll keep on believing it till i have proof to the contrary again latimer moore burst out laughing by jove gildy i didn't believe the loss of a five thousand dollar bet would hit you in such a sore spot gilderman was so angry at being misunderstood that he did not know what to do he shut his teeth closely he wanted to say something savage but he could think of nothing to say he got up and flung down the paper and without another word went into the smoking-room beyond there were three or four men gathered at the farther window sitting looking out into the street and talking together there was no one at the window nearest him and he pulled up a chair and sat down resting his feet on the window-sill and pulling his hat down over his eyes then he gave himself up utterly to the black gloom of the mood that lay upon him what was there in life that was worth the living nothing nothing everything went wrong and there was not a single thing to give pleasure to him how miserably depressed and gloomy he felt what could he do to escape it such moods as this had come upon him before but it seemed to him that they had never before been as black as this it must be the wretched night he had passed that made him so depressed he tried to fix his mind upon some higher and nobler thought something to lift his spirit out of its depths he almost prayed as he sat there feeling about in the gloomy mood for some standing place whereon to rest but he could find nothing whereon to rest he could not lift himself into any ray of brightness out of the vapours that beset him why the mischief had not ferguson bought lady maybell yesterday then he would not have been suffering as he was now suffering and the yacht race confound it if he only hadn't been led into that argument it would not have been so hard to bear suddenly some one tapped him with a cane from behind upon the top of the hat he turned his head sharply and saw that it was palliser hey o gildy he said la normandie's beat syrinx did you see again that blind and sudden anger flamed up in gilderman's heart well what if she did said he almost savagely is that any reason for you to come around like a fool knocking me over the head with your cane he took off his hat as he spoke smoothed the nap with his coat sleeve and then put it back very carefully upon his head palliser stood staring at him by jove gildy he said almost blankly and then he asked feeling rusty this morning rusty said gilderman no i'm not rusty but i don't like a fellow to come knocking my hat over my eyes with his walking-stick palliser did not reply he moved awkwardly over to the window and stood there for a while looking out into the street somehow the young fellow did not like to go away directly as though acknowledging that he was snubbed for a while there was silence except for a sudden burst of laughter from the men at the farther window by the way gildy said palliser as though suddenly recollecting something i was down at the mountain brook sale yesterday dorman webster's man kind of knocked your man out didn't he 
gilderman roused himself almost violently why couldn't the man let him alone see here palliser he said i don't want to be rude but i ain't feeling well and i wish you'd let me alone i've got a headache and don't feel well bilious inquired palliser oh i don't know i just want to be left alone that's all oh all right i'll let you alone said palliser and then he moved away and joined the group at the farther window and presently gilderman heard his high tenor voice sounding through the distant talk again gilderman sat by himself feeling very miserable he was ashamed of himself for being so angry and yet he could not repent it what should he do he did not want to go home at this hour of the day it would be very dull and stupid and yet if he stayed any longer at the club all the men would be presently coming in and he knew perfectly well that each would have something in turn to say either about the yacht race or the mountain brook sale he could not bear it where could he go to escape then suddenly for some unaccountable reason the thought of the face of him whom he had seen the day before flashed upon his mind was there any truth at all in what was said about him maybe that man could help him why not go and find him and speak to him a dull latent acknowledgment of the absurdity of the sudden notion that it seized him lay inertly beneath the thought but the thought itself had somehow seized upon him very closely just as it had seized upon him the day before why not go and find this strange man and talk with him anyhow it would be something to do to distract him from thinking about his disappointments and he would escape the annoyance of meeting the men as they came into the club maybe to-morrow after he had had a good night's sleep he could better bear meeting and answering them just now this other thing would give him something to do he aroused himself and jerked back his chair he looked at his watch and saw that it was half-past twelve then he went out into the dining-room and ordered himself a breakfast as he sat looking up passively at norcott's great picture of the nude venus surrounded by a flock of naked fluttering cupids he again inertly made up his mind that he would go down to brookfields by the two-twenty train anyhow he repeated to himself it will give me something to do then the waiter came bringing the cocktail that he had ordered End of chapter eleven